So a roofer was working on a particularly steep roof one day, and the roof overhung a very long drop. And about halfway through the job, of course, his foot slipped, and he fell, and he began to slide very, very quickly towards the eave of the roof to go over the edge. Being a man of faith, he prays very quickly to God, Lord, I I need a miracle. Stop me from falling off of this roof. And instantly, he stops sliding, just right in the middle of the roof, stops moving. So he turns upward and he says, Lord, forget that last prayer. I'm caught on a nail. It's the reality of God is as we go through this series on prayer that he is always answering prayer. The question is whether we're noticing when he's answering prayer. And everybody loves that feeling when God answers prayer. And, uh, you know, we get that. We we want that feeling. We, you know, God does it. And, uh, you know, but do we even know it's happening? And when we get that feeling, you're kind of like this guy I put on Facebook. You know, you get that, you know, yes. You know, when, when you actually, when God answers your prayer, you, you kind of have that feeling, and, and we all want that feeling of God answering our prayers. And through this series, we've been learning about the, the unique power of prayer. We've been, we've been looking at what Jesus accomplished for us to be able to pray in the way that we do, uh, his uh, uh, tearing down of the barrier between us and God. And uh, we've been learning how to pray through the uh, Acts method and and how we to pray corporately. We looked at last week the power of corporate prayer and even what to do when God seems silent. And so we've been learning all these things. But today what we're going to look at is how God does answer prayer. And perhaps most importantly, how we maybe miss his answers or how we're not seeing his answers uh, or finding the answers that he's given us. And God is answering prayer. And as we will soon see, he's answering prayer every moment of every day. But we have to look to see his answer. And having recognized that the answer is there, we have to accept that answer and act on it. But first, we have to look for God's answer. And so we uh, just uh, stop for a moment of prayer here before we look into the Word of God. Father, as we we know that you are going to teach us uh, about prayer again this morning. And uh, we know that you are going to teach us um, about yourself more importantly. And so, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that uh, we would uh, come away with a deeper and greater understanding of who you are, of the, uh, the, infinite, uh, the infinite worth of your nature and character and uh, how you are sovereign and always at work, Lord, and that uh, by your word and through your word, uh, it would shed new light uh, on our uh, dark minds and dark hearts that we don't understand, but that we would have a new light shed and a, a new understanding of you that we would treasure. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we do as we consider looking for the answer or as we're praying and we're going through the method and, and places to look for God's answers is to look in his word because God answers prayer when we are praying very often through his word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says that for this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, and this is the difference, 
but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. God's word is effectively at work. It's different than the word of men. Or in Deuteronomy 32, it was put this way, Moses, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word to you, but your very life. And so the word of God is living and it's active, it's effectively working, and it's not an empty word, but it is our very life. And it can be a common occurrence that when we're praying to God for answers, we're uh, in our prayer closet, or we're praying corporately, or we're praying as elders or leaders, and we're praying to God for answers, we're praying for answers that he's already given us by his word. The word of God is the clearest expression of the will and the nature of God, and 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 verse that you probably many of you know, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so when we're seeking answers from God in prayer, and scripture is always a sure place to turn to look for God's answers, right? When I, and so when I say that scripture is a place to turn for God's answers, I mean that in two senses. Um, the, the first way in which I mean it to be true and probably the most common way that you're thinking of right now is that it's possible, especially after praying, to go to scriptures and in the scripture and in the word of God, it's possible to read or to call to mind scripture that speaks specifically to your circumstances and gives guidance. Right? We know that in Scripture, God has given us instruction, and he's given us training, and he's given us examples. And so you could go to Scripture, and it would be certainly true that you would find things that may be the answer to your circumstance directly in Scripture. That there is answers there for our marriages, what God would have us do with our children, how we would behave at work, how we would act rightly and speak correctly in certain situations, in what things we should trust him in, and uh, how to treat our, our bodies and how to respect others. You know, there's a thousand things in Scripture that you could be going to God in prayer about, and the answers are there in Scripture for you, and he... You just have to look for his answer there. Just open up the word of God and read it, and God will give you the answer to your prayer through his word. There's lots of good instruction there, and please do that. But there's a second sense, though, in which God answers prayer through his word, and which is true that the word of God already provides answers to our prayers, not necessarily explicitly, but in this sense, in the in the sense that as we become fluent in the Word of God, as we are reading the Word of God on a regular basis, and as we are allowing the Word of God to transform us and conform us into the likeness of Christ, and as we study it and allow it to conform our minds and transform our thoughts, then what happens is we begin to more closely know the mind of God. Our, God, our mind and our character begins to more closely resemble God's. And so then when we go to pray, the answer comes to us, not necessarily from scripture directly, you know, because David did this or because I read this in second Corinthians, but because we have taken the time to allow our mind to be conformed to the image and to the likeness and to the thinking of God and his wisdom, then we start to know what God's answers to our prayer would be. Because we pray things and we start to think, I already know what God thinks about this situation. 
I already know how God feels about these things. I already know the character and the will of God in these areas because it's been already conformed in me through my being transformed by the Scripture. And so it's important that we understand that God wants to answer our prayers, but he answers through his word. He answers directly through the teaching and training and example of his word. But maybe even more importantly, he will answer our prayers through his word as we allow his word to conform us and transform us. That we need to have our minds aligned with his mind. And that as we then ask questions about, say, you know, a TV series that we're watching and whether we should go on this particular date or whether we should go here, whether we should be with these people. You know, you don't necessarily are going to go and find scripture and verse as an answer to that question. But if you are in the scripture and you're fluent in the scripture and you're saturated by scripture, then you have the answers to those types of questions because your mind is being conformed to the mind of God. And so you know the types of TV shows you should be watching. You know the people you should be hanging out with. You know these things and you have God's answer in terms of how you should be behaving and how you should be acting because it's conformed to the mind of God. And that confirmation or that conforming or that transforming comes from Scripture. And so God is answering prayer and he answers through his word. So in both senses, the answers of Scripture are true. Both by knowing and seeking in the Scripture God's answer to your question because he's answered it already in his scripture and you might need to just go there and find the answer and not keep asking him for things he's already answered and by regular time spent in God's word to conform our thoughts and desires to more closely imitate his and then we already know what his will will be in answer to our prayer because we share that will or we share that mind with him secondly God answers by his sovereign will Romans 8 28 says it's a favorite verse of many people. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's an idea that I touched on early in our series and the reality of God answering our prayers on a continual basis through our circumstances, right? And it's it's the one that we most often don't notice, that God is always answering our prayers and we only notice them in retrospect, right? You remember I asked the question or I pointed out that any Christians here right now, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you just stopped and thought right now about maybe the last five or ten years of your life or the last 20 or 30 years of your life, you could think back over those years and you would be able to tell me all the times God was answering your prayers and you didn't even realize he was answering your prayers until now you look back in retrospect and you realize he was answering prayers you didn't even know you were praying and didn't even know you needed to pray. But, but God is always, in a sense, answering prayer daily in the life of a Christian because he is working all the things that are happening together for our good. And so God is answering your prayer by his sovereign will, which is governing everything that is taking place in your life, right? But we don't see God's answers in the moment quite often, not until far after they happen or fairly late after they happen. But the reality of God's sovereign which means just means God's ultimate control and his sovereign will is that the circumstances of our life are always answering our prayers and the circumstances of our life are always accomplishing God's will for us. And everybody loves that Romans 8.28 verse and we absolutely should love it. I mean, it's a staggering verse that everything that is happening for those who love Christ, he is working for our good. And it's an amazing verse, but it's also absolutely no accident that the two verses right before that verse are these. Romans 8, 26 and 27. 
read this way. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's, those are the verses that lead into Romans 8.28. What is the context? Paul is saying that the context of Romans 8.28 is, we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit is praying on our behalf, and God is answering those prayers in the circumstances of our life. He's working everything for our good. This is, that, Romans 8.28 is a verse about prayer. It means that we need help in our weakness, that we are praying for things that we don't even know are the right things. Right? He says, we do not know how to pray as we ought to. And so you come to church and you get the ACTS method and you get you know, quiet time, quiet place, quiet mind. And you say, okay, Paul, I got my quiet time, quiet place, quiet mind. And I got my system and I'm writing my prayers down and I'm, do- I'm doing it all right now. And Paul says, we still don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. But don't worry because the Spirit is praying on your behalf. And these are the prayers that God is answering in your circumstances that he is always conforming the circumstances around you to answer the prayers that the Spirit is praying on your behalf. And it's only as we are able to look back in time, whether it's a month or a year or ten years, we say, oh, God was answering my prayer. A prayer I didn't even know was being prayed and that he was answering, but I see it now. That God is always answering prayers. He knows what our prayers should be. And as a result of the prayers that by his spirit are being prayed on our behalf, God never stops answering them. For those that love God, all things are being worked together for good. And this is how great God is. That no matter how bad the circumstances are, that no matter what this fallen world throws at us, no matter how bad into sin and our sin messes things up, no matter how misguided our prayers are, Get this point. God is an unstoppable force of redemption. He's redeeming everything all the time. Doesn't matter what it is. It can be sin. It can be the curse of this world. It can be sickness. It can be brokenness. It can be our mistakes. God redeems them for our good. Always. Everything is being redeemed for our good and his glory. And we can delay his blessing, and we can mess up our relationships, and we can put ourselves under his discipline until we learn obedience, but we cannot escape the work of God's will in our life for our good. Because God redeems everything all the time. And God ultimately never stops answering prayer, not even for a minute. And so you want to know what God's answers to your prayers are, we just have to open our eyes and look around and see what God is accomplishing. Because the things that are going on in your life, the circumstances of your life right now, are the answers to prayers. And so that's an important one, that God answers our prayers by his sovereign will. He never stops redeeming our situation. Thirdly, God answers prayer by his people. A third way that God answers prayer is through other people. And and again, I mean this in two different senses. And the first sense in which God answers prayer through his people is that he answers his prayer by the words and the actions of others speaking into your life. In Acts 21, verse 3, 
It says, when we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left and sailed on to Syria. This is the Apostle Paul speaking of his missionary journey and landed at Tyre. And for there, the ship was to unload her cargo and finding disciples. We stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, ultimately, Paul's going to ignore this and end up in captivity. But God was speaking through the people to Paul to give him instruction on what he should do. And so you may have a request before God. You may be speaking his wisdom or some direction, and you have been, may have been praying about something for many days or many weeks or many months. And the reality is, is that the answer could be there in Scripture, very likely is there in Scripture, that God is already answering that prayer through his sovereign will. And so, you know, your prayer is going to be answered anyway. But as you continue to seek the will of God and seek the answer, he is speaking to you through your brothers and sisters in Christ around you that that God answers prayer through his people. When you meet together with a good Christian friend for coffee and this friend directly or indirectly speaks the wisdom of God into your life, they quote a verse or they tell a story or they, they share an experience of their own that, that, that reflects on your circumstance, you know or, or they know or you both know that it's coming directly from God. That, that as you have prayed for that for days or weeks or whatever it is and then you've had this encounter, the people of God that you encounter are speaking the answer of God into your life quite often. And so we need to have our ears open and we need to be spiritually attuned to this reality that, that God is speaking to us through each other. And so God answers prayer through his people and we need the wise counsel of other godly people in our lives and to interact with them regularly in thoughtful and purposeful conversation in order that God has the opportunity to speak through them. Right? If, if we're not engaged with other Christians, if we don't have those close relationships, then how can God speak to us through his people if we don't actually sit down and have serious conversations with people and speak seriously into people's lives? You know, about more than just the weather or the, the leaves or the whatever. You know, that we have to just sit down and interact as God's people and let God speak through us and speak to them and be spoken to through other people. Right. So when godly people in your life are speaking the wisdom of God to you and it aligns with the word and it aligns with the will and the spirit of God, then don't miss it. Right. Don't walk away saying, well, I don't know what that conversation was about. It has nothing to do with me. Right. Listen to the people of God who are speaking to you. They love you and they're speaking God's wisdom for a purpose. It's God speaking in answer to your prayer. And the second way in which God answers prayer through his people is in answering the need of your prayer may have presented. You can look at James 2, 15 to 16. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, you know, or, you know, the Baptist favorite, I'll pray for you, you know, without giving them the things that is needed for the body, what good is that? Right? James says that, that we're supposed to be answering people's prayers, not with I'll pray for you, but by answering the prayer, <laughs> the need that they have. And so God is answering prayers through his people by his people. And as God's people, we need to be sensitive to the fact that God is working through us. He's got control of our schedules, and he's got control of our finances, and he has control of our gifts and our talents, and he's got control of our time. And when we serve the body of believers and we serve the community, our service that we're doing for the church or for the community uh, in the name of God may be a direct answer to prayer. You know, whether it's building a shed for somebody's scooter or whether it's working at the four C's or whether it's just stopping to talk to somebody on the street 
or whether it's dropping off a casserole at somebody's house just because you know they're under the weather and they uh, they can't get out of bed or you know dropping off a bag of groceries whatever it is god is answering prayer through the activity of his people and so we have to be alert to that on both sides of the equation we have to be alert as god's people that that we are the answer to somebody's prayer and it's important the things that we do in the church it's not just an option because god wants to answer prayer through us and then on the other side we have to recognize that god is answering prayer through his people you know, that we can't just sit at home saying, you know, God, I wish, you know, you'd answer this prayer. You know, I'm really lonely and I'm, I need some friends. I'm just going to sit here until somebody comes. And it's like, well, there's a church full of people just down the street. <laughs> you just got to go and, you know, hang out with them. They're right there, right? So we got to be on both sides that God has answered our many of our prayers in the body of Christ and that we are being an answer to prayer to people as we serve in the body of Christ because God answers prayer through his people and we need to recognize that we are the answer and may be the answer to someone else's prayer. Fourthly, God answers prayer by his spirit. John 14, 16 to 18 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, and I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a spirit who is going to stay with you and he is the spirit of truth and he'll instruct you in things and tell you things that I don't even have time to do because I've got to go to the cross right now. And then in 2 Corinthians 2, 9 to 11, amazing, amazing verses here as Paul explains exactly the spirit that we have. He says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? And so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Wow. So we have the Spirit of God who comprehends the thoughts of God. And that's the Spirit that we have. That's revealed to us. So the Apostle Paul can confidently tell the church and his fellow believers in Galatians 5 that we are to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Because the Apostle Paul knows the promise of Jesus and he knows the reality of the Spirit that he explains to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians. He says, you have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And that's the Spirit that you have. So when you are led by the Spirit, you're being led by the mind of God. Our God is a God who speaks, and God is not hiding his answers usually. There are lots of answers to your prayers that you already know the answer to by his spirit, right? You go into your closet and you pray and you say, Lord, you know, show me someone who uh, I need to go to for forgiveness or to ask forgiveness of. You think he's hiding that name from you? You already know the name. Just when I said it right there, you already know the name. He gave you the answer to that prayer in like five seconds, right? Because the Spirit of God is at work with you and he's answering prayers. Quite often we know what God's answers are because he is speaking to us in our conscience and in our heart and in our mind, right? That when you pray the prayer of, of asking why you're feeling guilty or the action you must take to recover your joy or, or 
you know, how God would have you act or how God would have you speak in certain circumstances, his spirit tends to speak to you very quickly and tell you exactly how you should be acting or speaking or how you should deal with that situation. And so we need to listen to the spirit of God as the spirit of God speaks to us directly in prayer. And to hear clearly from God by his spirit is not always so plain. And there's a couple of errors that we can fall into in this idea of God's spirit speaking to us in prayer. And the couple of errors are this. We can assume that every thought that comes out of our mind must be from God, right? And that we should expect God to answer every prayer and request for us all day long. Okay, so I don't pray for my parking spot or where I'm going to eat lunch. Some people are like that, right? They just pray to God, oh, you know, tell me where I'm supposed to eat lunch or tell me where I'm supposed to park my car. And they think that God's going to answer all of those questions all the time, right? And, and God sometimes does, you know, prompt you to have a lunch in a certain spot or talk to a certain person for sure. But there's a danger in, in this or an error in our, in our expecting God to answer in that way that we think that every thought that we have must be from God. And that's not always true, right? That we can, that we can, that we can assume that the first thought that comes into our head is instantly from God. We still have to compare the thoughts that we have to his word and to his will and to the wise counsel of other Christians, right? But we can also err the other way and presume that God never speaks supernaturally and that we should ignore the still, quiet voice that's speaking into our conscience. And so in order to hear God's spirit with confidence, it does take time and practice so that we can distinguish his voice from our own because our minds are not as conformed to Christ as much as we would hope that they would be right, or should be. And so sometimes our internal answers come from our flesh and not the spirit. And so when we are in our prayer closet and when we are praying and we've presented something before God, maybe multiple times, and we are getting a a sense that we know clearly what his answer is, then we need to listen to that because that could be God speaking by his spirit and we need to test those answers, especially early on as you're learning to talk to God this way that you test those answers and the answers that you received are confirmed by his word because the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. And so God will never tell you to do something in your prayer closet that he contradicts in his word, right? So if God says that, you know, oh yeah, you should just write that person off and never speak to them again, okay? That's probably not God speaking at that moment because if you go into his scripture, he has other things to say about our relationships with other believers and those are not the types of things he says in his word. And so you've got to compare the things that you're thinking in your prayer closet to the word to confirm that they're coming from the spirit because the spirit will never contradict his word, right? And you need to consider his will, consider the events around the situation, and you should be able to see where God is confirming your role in those events and what your role in joining him and redeeming that situation is. And then also his people, that you confirm with other believers the things that you are hearing from God because other believers will confirm that they are true. And so in the early going especially, as you are learning to pray and learning to really hear the voice of God in your conscience and hear the voice of God speaking to your heart, you need to be careful to confirm the answers that you're getting that way. But as you receive these answers and as you confirm them from the Lord more frequently and your mind is more and more conformed to the Spirit and conformed to the Spirit than rather than to the world, then one thing that is noticeable is a sense of peace that will come with the Spirit's answer. And so you will grow to learn to hear God's voice and differentiate it from your own. And you will learn, I think, primarily by that sense of peace that comes with the answer as you pray. And so you'll be praying about a situation that's very, very difficult, and you'll be praying for God's guidance in that, and you'll think, how am I supposed to act in this? And you will get an answer, and it may not be the answer you would have came up with, but it's an answer that comes with a sense of peace. 
that if you do that thing or you're obedient in that way, then God will accomplish his purpose through it. And that sense of peace will always accompany the speaking of the Holy Spirit because he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of peace. And so that's how we learn to listen as God answers through his Holy Spirit, which is given to each and every believer. He will speak to our conscience. He will speak to our minds and our hearts. And he'll give us a sense of peace about what his answer is to our prayer. And there may be lots of emotions about the answer. It may be a fearful thing to do, or it may be an embarrassing thing to do. But underneath those emotions, you will have a sense of peace, that it is God speaking. And that sense of peace will tell you that it's the Holy Spirit at work. And his answers provide peace. But even when God speaks quickly and we can confirm with his word and his people what his answers are, we often obey slowly. And so just by way of quick application at the end, the final two points are is we have to, after we hear God speak through any of these ways, we have to accept the answer and we have to act on the answer, right? Even if we get the answer, it's up to us to accept it. And so don't be a Jonah, right? Jonah had a crystal clear understanding of what it was God wanted him to do. He knew exactly what his role was in the situation, and he tried to run away from the answer, right? And God got him in a shipwreck and then thrown off a ship and then swallowed by a fish and then spit up on shore. So finally Jonah gets back on track, and and then he prays repentance to Nineveh, and then Jonah is upset with the answer again because God actually answers the prayers of repentance of Nineveh, and Jonah's angry about it. Like, this guy is never happy with the answers that God gives, apparently. Poor Jonah. He's going to get me for it later on in heaven, I know. But, but that's, the, that's the lesson of Jonah, right? Don't be a Jonah who's always, yeah, I got the answer, but I'm not going to accept it. You know, I hear you, Lord, but I don't like it. You know, instead, be a David. David, who is able to accept God's answer and to worship God, even when the answer was a very tragic no. God told David that his infant son was going to die, Right? And here's the king of Israel. And he prostrates himself before God in prayer and mourning for seven days. And yet the answer from God is that his son does die. God's answer is really clear. But David accepts it. And his household staff are amazed because when his son died, David dresses himself again and he shaves and he puts on perfume and he goes to the temple and he worships God. And his servants ask, like, what are you doing? And David says, why should I fast now? Someday I'll go and see him, but he won't come back to me. So even when the answer is tragic, David accepted the answer of God and worshipped him for his sovereignty, knowing that eventually he would see his son again. So the hope that always lies behind accepting God's answer is that through God's sovereign will, it is always still redeeming. Even when we procrastinate in obedience or even when the answer is not what we expected or not what we wanted, we, our hope lies in the fact that God is always redeeming and we have to act on the answer. Don't be Jonah, be a David. Accept the answer and act on it. God is often more interested in making us godly people than, in having, than, than intervening as God to our satisfaction. Right? So God gives us the answer to our prayer and then expects us to act. And it's through our acting in answer to his prayer that he is conforming us and transforming us and causing us to become a godly people and learn obedience. And he is very often more interested in us becoming a godly people than in him intervening as God to our satisfaction. 
It's our job, so to speak, to act on the answer that God gives us. And so we have to accept and act on the answers when they're given. Now this morning we have a really special opportunity actually to hear from somebody from our own congregation who can share with us what it means to look for and to see God acting sovereignly in answer to prayer and then accepting his answer. Melanie, if you want to come up here, you can stay. Okay. I don't normally mind public speaking at all, but I'm not ready for this this morning, but I did sit through the whole service today for the first time, so why not come up here and talk to everybody? When Paul asked me a couple of days ago to do this, I had every reason to refuse. This is a story that I never planned to share publicly. I'm not yet mentally capable of organizing my thoughts to present this story well, but I decided that if God could somehow glorify himself in my weakness or encourage one of you through my failures and the lessons he's been teaching me, that I would try to write it down, I'd try to write down what I could to read to you this morning. Most of you know that I'm still recovering from a severe concussion that I sustained in November of last year. Few, if any of you know the rest of the story. Back in October, after several discussions about prayer with my best friend, Rebecca, some of you will remember praying for her about a year and a half ago. She had the last chance, life-saving heart surgery. She's doing very well, by the way. Um, We chose a book by E.M. Bounds entitled Power Through Prayer, which is available to read for free on the Internet. We spent about a month reading and discussing what we were learning, and by the time we finished, we had both been challenged to spend much more time with God, particularly in the morning. When you read the biographies of men and women throughout history who really knew and loved their God, there's a definite pattern of rising early to begin their days with hours of prayer, often as early as 4 a.m. If you know me, you know I'm definitely not a morning person. And if you want the whole truth, he did wake me up at 4 a.m. for like two mornings and I didn't get up. But after thinking about it for a couple of days, I decided to try 5 a.m., On Monday, November 23rd, for maybe the first time in my life, I got up at 5 a.m. It really was a wonderful morning. Two full, uninterrupted hours with God was something I'm ashamed to say I've not had in a very long time. It was uplifting spiritually, but I was soon to be reminded of how powerful prayer really is and that we do pray dangerously. God will always answer, but it will likely not be how we're expecting him to. On that morning, I remember praying three specific prayers for myself. One was discipline to continue to spend extended time with God daily. Two was strength to avoid distractions, especially extended iPad computer time and excessive reading. And three, that I would learn to allow God to reach past my mind to change my heart. I can be a very logical, intellectual person, which means that I easily lose the ability to understand the heart of God in all the things that I know about him. God began to answer all three specific requests within an hour. I went outside, slipped on some ice, and hit my head. I was unconscious for a few minutes, and when I came to, although I seemed okay at first, over the next couple of days I rapidly regressed. All of my activities stopped. My iPad, my books were all taken away. I lost a significant amount of my mental processing ability, which included my ability to speak clearly or understand much of what was happening around me. God, for a time, took away my mind. 
I'm embarrassed to think that God felt it was necessary to go to such extremes for me to learn the lessons I needed to, but with my mind out of the way, he was finally free to work on my heart. There were lots of tears, some fear and some anger, but finally some much-needed surrender to his will. The spiritual battle was just as hard as the physical. Thankfully, within about three weeks, I started to get quite a bit better. I became hopeful that the concussion symptoms would soon be behind me, that I'd be out of bed and resuming my regular life. Reflecting on my original morning of prayer, it was fascinating to me that God had used my accident to answer every one of my personal requests. Little did I know that God was not at all finished with me yet. Yes, he'd answered the first part of my prayer, but I had spent the rest of the morning praying for others. I prayed for more compassion and understanding for so many people around me suffering, particularly some close friends fighting the grip of anxiety and another likely losing a loved one to cancer. When it came to anxiety, I had seen my friends, I'd seen in my friends how common and debilitating it seems to be becoming, but I felt completely unable to understand or help in any way. If I'm to be completely honest, there was shamefully a prideful part of me that was glad I had never experienced anything like that, and another part of me that was pretty sure I never would. I definitely needed to hit my head again. On December 17th, I sat down in a chair in our living room and somehow smacked my head hard on the wall behind me. A couple of minutes later, I started to get dizzy, my hands and feet went numb, and soon I was running into the Halliburton Emergency Department. I was hyperventilating and screaming and sure that I was going to die. Two hours later, I had recovered from my very first panic attack. Another hard scale fell off my heart that night. The next few weeks were completely taken up with fighting anxiety just from the overstimulation of having my eyes open. It still threatens me, and I have to be careful every day. But I understand now, as I prayed I would, exactly what my friends go through. I pray it will eventually leave me completely with healing, but until then, I also pray that it will count. God has changed me and taught me enough lessons for me to find some thankfulness, even in this. And my friend losing a loved one to cancer? In the middle of everything else, I received the call that my grandma was dying of cancer. She died ten days later, but God gave me just enough strength to visit her and walk with my mom as she lost her mom. My grandma loved the Lord, and for that I'm thankful. I did have a panic attack in the van and couldn't go to her funeral, but anyway. Um, That week, sitting with my grandma and my mom cleared my heart of much of my self-pity. For me, time is my friend. It will make me better. For my grandma and my friend's loved ones, that was not necessarily the case. And walking that road beside her was again very humbling and heart-changing. I cannot end without saying that even though this all sounds somewhat negative, Now that I'm beginning to look back on it, I can truly say that I can barely see the suffering through all the blessings. God was merciful to take away so many of our daily stressors, and to do that, he used many of you. Our bills were paid, our home was clean, our children well cared for. We had as many meals delivered as we could eat, and my husband was supported by many of you calling and praying over us. We are extremely thankful. It's been amazing to me how God can be most faithful and most loving, most gracious and merciful when we deserve it the least. And even though we don't see it in the moment, we realize when we look back on the points in our lives when we were at our weakest, just how incredibly God actually used our weakness for his glory.
when you pray, God is answering. Not the way you expect, but you've got to be looking to see it. And he's answering through his word. He's answering through circumstances, through his sovereign will, through his people, and by his spirit speaking to you. That's exactly why we're going to be gathering together to pray this afternoon, because we want that power of prayer in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, just pray that you would bless our time. I ask as the music team comes now that we would take your word and by your Holy Spirit it would transform us and that we would perceive you in a new light this morning and that we would walk out of here transformed because of our knowledge of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.